Hi everyone, welcome back to Blurred Box. I'm Chloe. I'm Pooja. I'm Sophie. And I'm Andrew. And we're back with another episode. It feels like it's been a while, but I hope everyone is doing well during these times. Um, It's currently midterm season for us, so we're, you know, kind of struggling. But last episode, we had Anthony, who's another really great guest, who's a humanitarian. And he did a lot of great work with uh, the World Awareness Association. And we talked a bit about, you know, Black Lives Matter and a whole bunch of other important issues and how he and his team are advocating for them and making change in our world. So today we have another special guest. Yeah, so today we have Riddhi Singh and she's actually an OHS alum and just graduated in June. So we're glad to have you back. And I guess before we get started, like, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure, yeah, so I, I mean, my name's Riddhi. I live in Marlboro, New Jersey, so central New Jersey, which is about an hour away from New York City, just to give some perspective. Um, I'm a rower, I'm a college student now, which is crazy to hear. And I went to OHS for four years, so starting freshman year of high school. Um, and yeah, I guess those are the basics. My hobbies, like including, or like I love listening to podcasts, so <laughs> love this. Um, I like learning more about startups. I in quarantine, I got into baking, but not like heavily like baking, baking. More of like some, you know, like every other week. So yeah, those are like some fun facts about me. Yeah, it must be like really weird going to college during these like you know, during the state of the world right now, like also as an update with like things, that presidential debate and also whoever's (laughs) got Corona in the White House, like what are you guys thinking on that? I mean, definitely too many people to count who have gotten coronavirus in the past, like, I don't even know, two days since this all happened. But the presidential debate, I was extremely disappointed by to be honest and I think a lot of the world probably is disappointed by it but um yeah it's very it was everything seemed to happen so fast I mean the debate was on Tuesday and then just what was it Thursday when we found out that um President Trump had coronavirus or test positive for coronavirus so everything just happened so quickly I'll just add um, that it was really weird. I thought it was sort of terrible. I came into school, I guess it was, or came into the Zoom room for school on Thursday morning, and it was my English class, and everyone was sort of celebrating. They were like, he got it. And I was like, that's not nice. That's not polite. They were like, maybe he'll die, and maybe Pence will die, and maybe the Secretary of State will die and Nancy Pelosi will serve as president. They were really fired up about that. And I was like, that's a lot of deaths and like a lot of bad wishing and not niceness um, in our world. I I don't know, that sort of bums me out a little. Like obviously I'm not necessarily a fan of the president, but still to sort of wish ill on people felt wrong. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, don't wish bad things upon anyone in general. Like, Never wish yeah. death on someone, no matter who they are. Um, but I, I have conflicted emotions. Maybe there's a positive thing when it comes out of this. Perhaps people will realize that coronavirus is actually a real thing and should be taken seriously. Mm. Um, but I do not wish ill on anyone. 
I just had like one thing. I think I saw on the news either today or yesterday on Jerry News um, Instagram account where they're talking about how Biden uh, pulled away all of his messaging or his ads related that had some like negative um, kind of intent towards Trump. So I think that was interesting how that you know played out, um, and that just adds to like what Andrew was talking about how there's like like you know there might. Um, like obviously you don't want anything bad happening to anyone or, you know, like, like death threats, like that's obviously not the way to go. Um, and so I think that was like one example of kind of like unity in a time of such division and like such polarization. So I think that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It reminds us, right? I guess we have to all be working together on this. It takes everyone to be like wearing a mask, doing everything properly, following regulations, which, you know, there are some people are not properly doing so in colleges but I don't know how is it like or what is it like do you know ready are you at Stanford or like are people following things at Stanford yeah um so mid July is when they realize they or no mid August since we start late we start, I started I'm only in like week three and most people in college are in like week four or five so yeah but mid August they said that their plans of having freshmen and sophomores back for the fall quarter were kind of like the decision was reversed and that it would only be um the host the housing would only be for like priority housing if you're like an international student or you don't have an area to like live in or like study well in so that we just got the decision like a little late so I'm currently staying home. Um, again, like that's just so OHS, you know, like I feel like not much has changed in terms of like, I'm literally in the same position in my room, like for the past four years and still doing online learning. But I know that for the people who are on campus, I think this was report was like, came out yesterday that out of the 4,000 people tested less past week, only four were positive. So they're doing a better job or they're better job than other universities at controlling, you know, the spread of the virus. So but yeah, I'm, I'm not on campus and yeah. I, I don't think I'm going to be on campus for the foreseeable future. But I mean, health and safety is obviously of most important, so it's fine. It, it's so interesting that you're online coming from like an online school. So I guess I want to ask you, like, just how is your, I guess, journey from OHS to college and especially like about the transition to college, especially now on this online platform? Just wanted to get your opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone uses this exact same phrase, but like, why not use it? These are unprecedented times, but I mean, which they are. So the transition, I feel like for the class of 2024, is obviously a bit unique and different than what it would have been. But I personally feel like having attended OHS, it's, I feel like I'm not, you know, in foreign territory. And I mean, obviously, like, we're not using Adobe Connect, which breaks my heart. I kind of miss the application, but um, where you just, you know, going through Zoom classes uh, one after the other. So I think there is some, some kind of familiarity because of the OHS, uh, you know, learning experience that I had. Um, as for the workload, I also think that OHS, once again, prepared me well for that aspect as well. So, you know, like reading 40 to 60 page papers uh, or like worth of material uh, twice a week for each class is it becomes a bit taxing. But um, like some classes, especially like some of the core classes and then um, advanced history research seminar was a class I took at OHS, like junior year, which I loved that class and that kind of, on a smaller scale, but that definitely prepared me for, you know, like teaching myself, like learning how to teach myself the subject beforehand and then coming to class, not to learn it, but rather to discuss it. So I think for that, like in that way, I think the transition has been pretty smooth. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I've definitely had a few 
mental breakdowns. It's only been week three, but I feel like those are kind of expected. So um, I think overall it's been a pretty smooth transition. Has the process of um, meeting people and joining clubs been kind of similar to your experience at OHS, at least when you first came to OHS? Yeah, so my fresh, right before my freshman year, I went to summer at Sanford for those two weeks, which I met Chloe then. Um, I think that was what really set up a good, like that fostered like really amazing relationships with people and friendships. And I think like obviously that was not the case this past, like these past few weeks or these past few months. We had orientation, but we were only introduced to like a small group of like six or seven people, which is understandable because like, how do you expect the university to like come up with some plan of orientation that will have everyone meeting everyone and like having some intense conversations or stuff like that. So I, I think the university is doing well in trying to, you know, kind of facilitate those conversations. There is this thing called um, first year mentorship where the RAs or like people who the juniors or senior, I think juniors are usually RAs, but the juniors who would have been RAs this year are holding um, like Zoom calls or like meetings every other week where you can, you know, like it's like a, a group of like six or seven people where you could get to know each other. They're, it's a diverse group. So people from like different backgrounds. And I think that's one way where you're able to meet new people in a setting that is other than like the classroom setting or like, you know, strictly formal and like, oh my God, like I have my, my grade depends on this stuff like that. So I think there are a few ways of getting to know people, but I mean, I personally, I'm a pretty like reserved person and like don't reach out to people. So I feel like that's, you know, been kind of tough on me. Um, but it's, I think I'm used to it with OHS. So yeah. 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 But you're, you're studying remote, right? You're not like in Stanford, you're not on campus or anything. Yeah. So I'm in New Jersey right now. Oh, I see. Got it. So, like, nothing even is happening, though, in on campus, even if you were there, right? Yeah, so even if I was there, they just introduced this program, not program, but, like, this thing called, like, the pods, you know, concept, where people are grouped into six or seven, um, like, group or in six or seven people groups, and they get to interact with each other. Um, but that just got introduced. I'm like, again, like I'm not totally sure about this, but that got introduced this past week. So before that, they were like not able to, you know, really communicate with each other unless you were kind of like breaking the laws of some, some sorts, which on Instagram I saw, like maybe people were doing that, maybe people weren't. So, but the overall consensus is that like there wasn't, like even if you're on campus, you have, you, the resources that you have access to are limited um, and it's not obviously not the same experience that you would have had with everyone there. So mm. yeah, I think it's a changed experience for not only people who are doing remote, but then also people who are on campus. Um, the one thing is like some people and especially some sports teams are doing this is that they're living together like as a team or like even if you're not a an athlete a varsity athlete you are living with your friends near campus so that kind of i guess simulates you know some kind of like college experience so and you know some people are do like it doesn't even have to be near campus some people are living with their friends in florida or other states so um but yeah those are like the few ways people are trying to like get some human interaction with their friends um, during this time. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. hard. Like, I know I'm in an online school. We're all in an online school, except, well, Andrew no. now isn't. Now going online. Um, so, yeah, it's hard sometimes to connect with people 
I feel like OHS can teach you like how to like keep those connections because we're all so separate, but then it's also hard to make it at the same time. Yeah. Also, when you spoke about like sports, you're also on a sports team, aren't you? Yes, I'm on the lightweight rowing team. Oh, that's that's so cool. I remember I um I did like rowing. Like I didn't really do rowing, but I did rowing to like do cross training. But um yeah, yeah it was really that's hard. How <laughs> Yeah. yeah, what's really it was, funny is that I used to be a competitive golfer. That's oh, true. Wow. Oh, you were like golfing like every two, three days, right? When we were at camp. I was like, where are you going? I'd like see you in the hall and you're like, I'm going golfing. Wow. I'm like, what? Literally 6 a.m. summer session. Everyone's just like in bed and I'm like, let me just go like, you know, walk like next to a highway and like to the driving range. <laughs> I was crazy. I, I don't know. But um, yeah, so I used to use rowing as a cross training during like for golf, especially if you're living in New Jersey, the winters, you lose like three or four months. So you can't really, you know, like train unless you go someplace else like in Florida or California. So I was introduced to rowing, like in fifth or sixth grade. And that's how we started doing it. But, but at that point, it was just completely like, on the rowing machine, like the erg, um, which yeah. is like what it's called. So now, like, after 10th or like the beginning of 10th grade, I joined this club um, near me in Princeton. And what's really amazing is like, I, this amazing opportunity is that the national team actually practices there, like the Olympics, the Olympic team. So, um, or like sometimes they, like it's like a half and half between here and Chula Vista, California, but that's how um, I got introduced to rowing. So that's funny how you say that, Sophie, of like, you know, cross training. I feel yeah. like lots of people get introduced to rowing through like some sort of cross training. Yeah, I got, I definitely got introduced. Um, I did it for soccer because um, in winter, my soccer team um, stops playing my club because of high school and I don't go to like traditional high school. So I can't play, unfortunately. So that's what I did. And it was so hard, but I, I actually really enjoyed it. I felt it was fun. Um, but you're also a college recruit. So that's honestly so cool. Um, we're all athletes, I think here, or at least most of us. So it's definitely inspiring to have an athlete of your caliber come here and basically share your story. But I wanted to ask um, your experience, like how was it being a college recruit, like your process and also maybe how is it not being able to pursue it currently because of COVID and also I believe the program got cut because of COVID in Stanford. So I just, how has it been? <laughs> yeah, um, it's been a rough ride for sure. So I, I mean, as for how it was during like high school, it was obviously like, I feel like every student athlete can relate. It's a challenging at times, but those challenging times are what allow you to grow into this like person who can go through, you know, weeks where like you have multiple finals, papers, races, and test pieces all in one week. Um, and like, in order to have a good performance, you need to sleep. But like, I know Chloe, like you're such an amazing tennis and tennis player. And like, so I feel like you can relate to this, but like you need eight, eight or nine hours of sleep, but you can't really have that. Cause like no one gets that kind of sleep during finals week. Um, or even like normal, like high school is with the workload of OHS. But yeah, I think, you know, going through that kind of gives you a skill set that allows you to like that comes in use later in life. So I'm very grateful for like those tough times, um, as bad as they are, like while you're doing it. But as for not being able to pursue rowing in a team environment now, like, you know, being stuck at home, not stuck, but like being at home. Um, so I mean, I w obviously I wish I could compete, but I think like the health and safety of others, like both people inside and outside the rowing community, um, the Stanford community in general trumps everything. So 
yeah, I understand and I respect the decision. Um, and the whole team as of now has just been training at home. So, uh, which is obviously not fun, like sitting on a rowing machine, 60 to 90 minutes a day, like staring at a wall. But I think it was even tougher again, like what you mentioned, Sophie, with the news of it being cut. So, um, like mid July, they made the decision that they're cutting 11 sports teams, um, no, 11 varsity teams and lightweight rowing was one of them, which I was like, ama- like completely shocked at. Cause like the lightweight rowing team has won like nine of the past 10 national championships. So it's the, you know, the decision was not based off of like performance in any way, but, um, yeah, so I think that that's been kind of hard to like grapple with because like I was so excited to be on a team that was so dominant and like being able to have that experience. But I do think like like one thing that has helped me get through is like my coach always reminds us is like this quote, don't let the highs get too high or the lows too low. So like trying to apply that philosophy um, or like or way of life in this situation has been really helpful. And to realize that like like, you know, if anything, like I'm kind of like one of the luckier ones because there's open weight rowing I could transfer to potentially, you know, in my like second, third and fourth years where I know like fencing got cut or like men's volleyball got cut. Like they don't have another sport that they can transfer to um, or that is as similar as the sport that they're in. And like, they've been working hard on this for like, you know, like age five, six, seven, or like maybe some of them had Olympic dreams. So I think in that way, I've been trying to like understand that like, yes, like you are, you know, like you could make the situation a little better. And so I've just been rambling on, but yeah, that's how, um, it's always been for like the, at least for me in terms of finding out about the news of like 11 sports cut and then COVID not racing, but yeah. I, I hope that, um, hopefully you'll get to pursue your sport in college next year. I'm crossing my fingers. Um, but I'm so glad we had a chance to like get introduced to you and about like what you do, but you also are the co-founder of Chip and Change. So to my knowledge, it's a nonprofit focused on the well-being of individuals and it promotes it through fundraising events that um, I believe induce personal growth and connection, which is honestly so cool to me because I personally never have saw anything like that. And it's something that I personally think is really cool forgive my lack of vocabulary but yeah um so um could you just tell me a little bit more about um your process of building it and especially how you came up with your philosophy of work smart live well and give often because i don't know like what inspired it i'm very interested in that Yeah, so CIC, um, so Chip and Change is abbreviated as like CIC. It's a platform to help students live a more holistic lifestyle. And what I mean by that is, again, like exactly what you said, like the three pillars of work, work, live, give. So like working smart, living well, and giving often. This CIC in general, or especially like the three pillars, the idea of that came in the wake of like the George Floyd protests. And I feel like everyone was heavily impacted by those few weeks in terms of, you know, like they, everyone really realized like what that like we all needed to do more and that like especially that quote of like it's not enough to be racist but you have to be anti-racist so kind of stemming from that I want like we wanted to create something that would positively impact the community obviously and maybe potentially the world at large um so the first few weeks of June was what really inspired the last pillar of give often um and this sort of introduced this concept of micro giving with And that like micro charities are obviously charities that have low overhead costs and you know, you know where your money is exactly going because 
like the money is not going towards people's salaries or like paying like rent for a building or stuff like that. So similar to that is micro giving where you with micro donations, it's kind of like alleviates the pressure of and kind of like paralyzation that occurs if you only donate like once or twice a month. So with micro giving, you're chipping in some change, ironic, like the name of the organization's name, Chip and Change. But yeah, so you are approaching volunteering and donating from a different lens um, and that it should be part of who you are and ingrained in your lifestyle as opposed to something that you do when just like when there's social pressure. So there are two, I guess, like elements of Chip and Change. One is the, one is what like exactly what you were saying. So like the organization holds fun or like hosts fundraising events through the form of like speaker panels where um, that kind of focus on the first pillar of like work smart uh, or it could be like live well. So we could have like a sleep scientist. We could have like this past week we had a 19 year old, um, you know, dropout from Wharton UPenn talked about like engineer at Tesla raised like a, a little under the $10 million for his new startup. So it's kind of inspiring students to under like, really understand their possibilities in whatever field they're in. So that's kind of like what the speaker panels are all about. And then the other thing would be um, kind of like a game night. So we could have a fundraising event where like kind of like using Kahoot Trivia, online Pictionary. I know there's this new game called Among Us, which I just heard of like two days ago, which is like really popular. So maybe we could introduce that in some way. But yeah, that sort of thing. And then you know, using those events to fundraise money and, you know, allow the people who are attending the event to donate to whatever charity that they would like to donate to. So the second element would be like the club, uh, like a high school club where there's an eight week cycle. And for the first seven weeks, the club members partner with an organization, whether the organization is a family run business, a yoga studio, an Instagram based organization or a micro charity, that doesn't matter but rather it's more about, you know, for the first time partnering with them, understanding the logistics of how their organization works. And then like simultaneously doing some kind of research, not like research is again, like such a heavy connotation around it. And that like, it's so time consuming and like, you know, it requires a lot of effort. Like in, in this sense, it's more of research is more of like, you know, understanding how organizations similar to the organization that you are working with, how they work and they, you know, their processes of like growing bigger and having more influence and, you know, having more of an outreach. So you do that kind of research. And then the eighth week would be a presentation where all the high school clubs come together and share their experiences and like their insights and how they think that their organization can, you know, grow bigger and better. So that's like the main like the format of the high school club and I feel like the reason we had this format as opposed to like the typical volunteering at shelter or like donating clothes which obviously is very important like I did that in high school and I think it's extremely helpful to have these relationships with people on a smaller level and a more direct level but that's I feel like with this format it allows you the club members to have some kind of like consulting skills and also public speaking skills but then also you know help an organization get more outreach which in like indirect terms is you know helping people know more about this organization and having other people chip in so that's basically what chip and change is and how the philosophy of work live give came about um and that's how it is like right now again like we don't know what it's going to evolve into but as of now, that's how it works and how it runs. Yeah, that's so cool. I want to ask the one thing that really impressed me is how much outreach you guys have. Because like when you go through your team, right, it's really expansive. And also not just that, the fact that you have 
um, clubs globally or like you, you've cultivated uh, a kind of presence everywhere around the globe, like that's not an easy feat to do. So I applaud that first of all. Um, and yeah, I, I'm curious to know what, what process that was like, you know, um, what advice you might have for others who are trying to do something and trying to get more outreach, you know, cause like it's not an easy thing. And I think it would be helpful for people um, to have advice with like starting up. Of course. Yeah. And I mean, I don't consider myself an expert at like knowing how to build a, a great following or like, but in terms of the clubs and how, you know, we got people from early clubs in India and Norway and, you know, some other places is, it's like honestly like through word of mouth and like really having like asking people who you know to and like people who are dedicated and like not asking people in general of like oh like posting on an instagram story but going through dms i think that like i know i dm sophie i like dm chloe so and like the, whether the response is a yes or no like that doesn't matter because the dm might not just you know result in like a yes or no it also might result in an idea or like like, yeah, like I don't have, like, I have a lot on my plate right now. So like, I can't be a part of this organization, but I know someone who can, or like, I know some resource. So kind of using networking. And I think obviously like this is kind of obvious, but like networking is the best way to build a following and to like, not only build a following for an organization, but also like be able and like be successful to, and open yourself to new opportunities. And there's just, I'm just like, putting out quotes all over the place but this is really cool quote it's like when opportunity doesn't knock build a door so i feel like networking exactly like, does exactly that like it allows you to you know have access to more experiences um and, and unexpected times so yeah i think outreach is like that's how we did it just ask people like ask networks like other networking you know tools that we can use so that's how we did it but um advice i mean that, that would be exactly it yeah um i think that's so cool like chip and change i've been reading up trying to prep myself for this um and like it seems like a super cool organization um i guess the question that i was sort of thinking about as i looked through it is to me i sort of always think separately about like what am i doing for like myself and then like what am i doing like in terms of my community um, but I think it's really neat how you guys sort of tie those together. And I was wondering what sort of made you think to combine them and like have it be like, oh, it's like for my own, like for my own, like personal happiness. And then also for my community and like, I should put those into conversation. Yeah, that's an amazing question. I think first, like when we, the whole conception of the idea, like it all started, the one goal I had was like, okay, like how do we make this different than other organizations? There's like a million charities out there, not a million, maybe a million, I don't know, but there's a million organizations, charities and student run, you know, like platforms or, you know, some like initiatives that people have. So like, and every single time everyone's like, okay, so what do I get out of this? And I feel like that's like, yes, like human nature, that is one way to think about it, but also indirectly like having that kind of, like this the sense of you are getting something out of it, but that's not the core like essential element of it. It's more of you are ingraining chip, like chipping in some change or you're ingraining volunteering or donating into your lifestyle. So it's kind of like incorporating the give element within your lifestyle and making it part of who you are, as opposed to going out and seeing, okay, like I want to help other people, but like maybe like, like how do I make sure that it's helping enough people, you know, so kind of grappling with the 
the division between like because people obviously there's limited time and you know you want to use your time effectively and you like you want to be able to make sure that you're doing things that are like have such a big impact on your life so i think it was kind of like combining the two and making sure that giving is a part of who you are instead of something you seek out in addition to the work that you do i i absolutely love that i i feel like there's this kind of idea of kindness that's been coming up in our in your organization and also in our conversation itself and I think that's amazing. You know, I feel like we kind of live in a selfish world, especially, I think it was brought up a little bit before. I feel like when I see people doing what you do, it gives me a little hope that we will change. And I love how you're like employing kindness, not just on the individual set, but like as a unit, like we're united to do this. In your opinion, what do you think the importance of kindness is? Oh, that is such a loaded question um, and an important one. So the importance of kindness, I think there's like so many emotions people feel and so many like we not only feel in life, but like on it, like on a certain day. Right. And I think, you know, lots of content creators and influencers, their job is to make people happy. Right. And to like spread positivity, like most of them, we could say. And so I think if we could kind of spread positivity, like not like, yes, seek other people and other resources and other content creators to like make, you know, have like a positive day or like, you know, like make yourself smile. But imagine if like everyone could do that, just even like at some point of the day and not, you know, kind of like rely on people to make themselves happy, but make yourself happy by making other people happy. And like this, like in turn, like this kind of cycle of kindness, I think it really plays out. And I mean, there have been so many studies that have, you know, been done about how like kind of like positivity, how that, like, I'm obviously an athlete. So going back to that, if you, there have been some, so many studies where you're on a bicycle and it's like an hour of power. So you have to, you give, you're given an hour and you have to do as many meters as you can. And there are people who like, they, they, you know, they do their test and that's it versus that was like the control group. But then there are, there's a group of people who halfway through or like every 20 minutes, they're shown a picture of a smiley face and the results show that they do better on their tests. And like, it's crazy. Like being shown a smiley face makes you do better on a test where that like so mentally taxing and like that just shows the power of kindness and the power of like happiness in general and positivity. So I feel like, you know, ingraining it in people's lifestyle, like it's important in that way. Um, and that's just like one study, which like blew my mind. Um, and that, I think that study comes out of this book called Endure by Alex Hutchinson, which I've like lived by through like since 10th grade. So I recommend that book to everyone, um, whether you're an athlete or not. So yeah, um, I hopefully that like answers your question to some level or to some degree, but that was the best I could do. No, that was an absolutely amazing answer. So I, I'm really glad you share your thoughts. Yeah, so I guess, you know, really grateful for you to, to come on and we really appreciated everything, you know, that you were able to enlighten us with, you know, regarding chip and change and um, how to get into Stanford. <laughs> Wait, yeah. is that a question for me? Or no? What, how to get into Stanford? I mean, if it is, like, yeah, we'd love to know. We're, <laughs> we're not. I think, honestly, it's like, okay, there's this um, Yogi Berra quote, it's like, uh, like, I don't know, it's like sports are like 20% physical and like 90% mental, you know? So I feel like, yeah, it's like talent, skill, like hard work, whatever. Right. But then also like 90% of it is luck. And like, you just have to have the right, you know, like reader, read your application or like 
obviously it doesn't rely solely on luck, but that is a huge part of it. And I think one, like if I could just leave like one piece of advice is that no university is like a perfect university. And especially, I think this might like may be helpful for some seniors who are applying to like getting involved with college apps right now. Um, if you like don't get into your dream college, then it's not about the college that you like, yes, it's about the college you go to, but it's more like maybe it's equally as important about what you do at the college. So it's, you know, like, yes, like if luck isn't in your favor for those like few years or like few months or like, you know, whatever, then there's, it's not the end of the world. And like, you have so much more to offer, um, you know, no matter what, like you're going to be okay, especially with OHS. So like having that experience. So that's all I have to say in terms of quote unquote, how to get into Stanford. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, With that, thank you guys for listening to Blurred Box with Andrew, Chloe, Pooja, and Sophie. If you like our show and want to know more, please check us out on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or leave us a review on iTunes. And if you would like to keep meeting excellent guests like Riddy, as I have been, be sure to join us in two weeks for another episode of Blurred Box, as we're releasing episodes every Sunday. We would love to hear your feedback, suggestions, and questions, which you can email to blurredbox88 at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Box for the latest updates. Yeah, and thank you again, Riddy, for coming on. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. And you're obviously such a remarkable person and done remarkable things. And this is why we bring on guests like you. So another... Thank you so much for No worries at all. It was really a pleasure. Um, now another shout out to our video editor, Xia Yun Zhang, and our audio editor, Mosh Kraus. Thank you guys again for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.